what do they call it? They call it uh, Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. Hey, what's going on, guys? Royale with cheese here, episode number 29. In the midst of the coronavirus, we are still going strong. Yeah, we got something interesting. Instead of our normal corona week going on, we decided to change it up a little bit, spice it up, take it away from the virus, and kind of go into a crazy thing Yeah, and a more coming-of-age thing. Yeah, so we're still going to put out the quarantine-esque movies, but uh, with Tiger King popping off like it has been, uh, I felt like we needed to talk about it. And, oh, yeah. Uh, just discuss how crazy it actually is. And then also with me and Kill being uh, big-time... Uh, what's it called? Coming Help me of out. Age? Coming of age movies. We decided big time adolescence would be good. So, you want to just jump into Tiger King real quick? Uh, yeah. So Tiger King basically is uh, it's a seven part documentary series on Netflix, and basically this follows basically about uh, three people, but mainly a couple people. Uh, it's basically a rivalry rivalry between Big Cat. Eccentrics takes a dark turn when Joe Exotic, a controversial animal park boss, is caught in a murder-for-hire plot. So, yeah, this goes from crazy to crazy to crazy. Yeah, so it basically <laughs> follows around, I think for the most part, Joe Exotic. Yeah, he's but, the big face name. Yeah, but they also go into, like, Dr. Antel, who owns a park, a uh, big cat park out of, like, um, North Carolina, Myrtle Beach area. Uh, Joe Exotic runs it in uh, his park in Oklahoma. And then you got like this PETA-esque animal rights person, Carol Baskin, who runs her big cat, her big cat rescue down in Florida. Yeah, this is uh, definitely very interesting. I guess the funny part about all three of them is they're essentially the same thing. (laughs) Like the exact same thing. Yeah, so the first two episodes of the series... Really, like, gives you a wide variety of everyone, like Carol Baskin, Joe Exotic, Dr. Antel. It kind of goes through all their different parks and stuff. But then it kind of narrows it down more to just Joe Exotic, and especially his rivalry with Carol Baskin, who's been trying to shut him down for 20-plus years. Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely say I, I really liked the setup for this documentary. Like, the first three were really good builders. It actually got you into the documentary, showed you what it's all about. Because, I mean, how many of us actually know what a big cat park is? Like, I mean, yeah, I could put two and two together, but I didn't know there was so much controversy going on with this. Well, who knew there was actually, like, that many, like, tigers and lions in captivity? There's more in captivity in the United States than on the wild, which is absolutely insane. And that people just own lions and tigers and stuff. And that's the thing is also about this thing. I noticed is that these big cat parks, yeah, their main attraction is tigers and lions and ligers and stuff, but they also own like monkeys and crocodiles and this, like any crazy exotic animal, these places had them. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely just the cats is the main attraction. And I mean, we see that throughout the series. And I think this thing really popped off because, for one, it's bringing America together because no one has anything better to do except to watch. Uh, Tiger King, but uh, yeah. So let, let's go into the characters. Uh, let's do Joe Exotic last. Let's start with the Doctor Doctor Antel. Yeah. So Doctor Antel runs like this really, probably upscale 
Cat Park. It's probably the most upscale, I'd say, out of the three from what I've seen. He's been around cats all of his life, basically, and he wanted to start this. Now, they're all in mini cults. They all have their own mini cults. And his is more of women, obviously, being the show spokesperson for all the events. And a big thing he does is he does cat pets. Cat petting, like uh, young petting. Cu- young cub petting, yeah, and that is like that's the money maker for Joe Exotic and Doctor Antel. But I'd give a little background in the sense that the fact that they have these cults is because they need them, because it's so expensive to take care of like a big cat. For example, Doctor Antel said it costs about ten thousand dollars a year just to feed them. And, um, Joe Exotic now he kicked cuts prices and stuff and he doesn't give the best quality of food and he's his still costs three thousand and he owns like two hundred cats and Dr. Antel owns more than that. But what I'm saying is that with such big margins, they can't afford to pay their employees very well. For example, uh Joe Exotic only pays his employees $128 a week. And I'm sure Dr. Antel probably pays about them the same. But basically he has they're all involved in polygamy. They all just have, like, multiple wives oh, and yeah. husbands. And uh, Carol Baskin, the way she gets around it is she just has volunteers. But keep going with Dr. Antel, I mean. Yeah, I was just going to go into how he has polygamy. And he, he it costs him $10,000 per cat to feed these cats. So, basically, once they get a big cat, they no longer are a moneymaker. For one the cost and the petting, which they go into a controversy later on about whether he's killing or not killing these cubs out in the back. And obviously it's just also them bringing up these things for to try bringing the parks under, like the three of them kind of rivaling. But Joe Exotic and Dr. Intel actually aren't really at odds. No, they're actually, they're pretty, yeah, they're pretty, I wouldn't say well, close, it, but they, they're, yeah, they're, they, they both are own, they will both, are running their operations similar to each other and understand what they're doing and the yeah. purpose of it. Well, Joe Zach gets a lot of his ideas from Intel. Yeah. And that is really just the big thing. So, like Kilp said, they don't really have much money to pay him. And like they said, it is borderline a cult going on, and that's how he gets around the paying him and stuff like that and also making him his wife. Yeah, that, that's kind of the thing is like, it's basically like they go through this documentary and they interview random people and obviously workers and stuff and just the atmosphere of being around like these giant creatures like is intoxicating for most people and like they wouldn't do anything else. Um, I guess we can shift over to like Carol Baskin because I want to get yeah, to go into her a little bit. Carol Baskin, she runs like Big Cat Rescue down in Florida and she started it with million dollars millions of dollars from her husband who died mysteriously mind you um so basically she's like in bed with PETA and everything so she gets a lot of volunteers so she gets tons of free work but her operation is different because if you see if you're watching Dr. Antel and Joe Exotic they like go in the cages they're loving on the tigers and stuff like they, they you can honestly tell like that they love these animals or at least they treat them fairly well at least, sure, is, yeah. I, at sure. least from the documentary I'd, I'd go with that but carol she never goes inside the cages she keeps them caged up she never goes inside and interacts with them or anything so i mean it just kind of shows you like that her in her thing this is the thing though is everyone 
it's trying to make it seem like she's the good guy is what on the very surface level because she cares for the, these cats and she's there but she's doing the same exact thing she pens them up and then charges people to come see them she's literally doing the same thing just with a different strategy and with a more moral support behind what she's doing so it's kind of sick honestly yeah so i guess most of these cats if not all of them are endangered like you're not allowed to kill them and the big thing is with her compared to the others she doesn't breed them and she's yeah. a totally against breeding them and she's totally against cub petting and yet i think i think it's a fairly good point if something's endangered don't you want to breed more of it Obviously, yeah, you don't want to breed it for captivity cage. either. Yeah, that's what she's trying to say. So, but the other thing is with her that makes her crazy, like Kilp said, is even though she runs this park where no one gets paid in it, there is a big controversy about her husband dying. And obviously, Joe Exotic goes way off on that. Yeah, yeah. And well, let's just break down Joe Exotic before we get into that i wasn't gonna get, i wasn't oh, gonna get into it too much but i was just gonna say her park like the cages same size just about as all the rest of the people's parks her it's facility n- looks nothing worse. yeah i'd say i'd say dr antel's looks best and then joe exotic and hers looks about similar yeah so joe exotic is just some gay redneck down in oklahoma who has multiple husbands, and he is is a big-time entertainer, and he truly does love these cats, or at least loves the business, I don't know. But the whole thing about him is he doesn't have the money and the visits that Dr. Antel does, so he has to cut costs by, like, uh, they have trucks full of expired meat that Walmart drops off. Uh, There's roadkill, that's what he gets. So his operation is definitely more redneck and well it doesn't more... even have to be expired meat i mean it did say it's any meat that's brought up to the counter does not be able to resell yeah none re- no resold meat i guess yeah and it's just joe exotics is really what they follow because even though dr antel and other people hate carol joe exotic takes it to a whole new level and he's constantly for years threatening her and saying that he's going to kill her and that he's going to put her head in a jar and all these things. So it keeps following this like process from the beginning kind of to the end of yeah. this madness basically that overtakes Joe Exotic. I mean, yeah, just like his business, his business is, even though it's a tiger thing, his business really is him. It's him interacting with the tigers. It's him talking. Well, he th- at least he's, thinks it is. It, well, he's an entertainer. He really is. Yeah. In comparison to the other two, he definitely is a lot more entertaining. But the thing about it is he's crazy in what he does. And the thing that gets brought up in it is the biggest part about these big cats is you can't, like, there is a line where... You can't trust a wild animal, especially a wild animal that has 300 pounds on you, 250 pounds on you. Like, it could easily turn on you, even in a friendly uh, friendly encounter. Like, if you ever have a cat and it's playing with you, they can get a little bit aggressive, and it can leave marks on you. But imagine that cat being 250 pounds heavier than you. Yeah, more than that. Like, they can get up. Big tigers can get... It's just... These are just massive cats, and obviously, like, 
Seth was saying. So the thing, the first like couple episodes just sets up the backgrounds of all these like basically three characters, and then in the middle they get into Carol's husband mysteriously dis- disappeared one day, and it was just so happened with the insurance claim and everything that the way it happened was the most perfect way for her to get like the most amount of money and all this stuff. And he, she married this guy who was twenty years older than her, and he had a family and left his family for her. So when he disappears, he ta- she basically gets all the money. Now she gives a little bit to the family, but you can tell through this. She probably went into this like documentary and she's probably like, I'm going to get my big cat rescue out there. It's going to look good for me. This documentary, I think, shows her for what she is, which is like, would you not agree? She's like super mischievous and super just, 100%. Like, dark and deceptive. She is just the smartest lady on the face of the planet. And like even they go through like, uh, Joe Exotic does some like copyright infringement and stuff for her and stuff, so he gets sued. And most of the time, like this, when they sue, they wouldn't really pursue the money and stuff because it costs more money. But she just had this endless pit of money that she was willing just to keep throwing at Joe Exotic till he pays up, and that basically bankrupts yeah. him and makes him go crazy. So then he has to bring in a new character basically to start funding things. Well. The thing, the big thing about the controversy, which he got brought under for, is it's copyright law, which actually was, I thought, really smart of him in this sense. He, her business is doing so well, and she's putting him, not under, but, like, a lot of flack on him. Yeah. So he totally changes everything to the exact same name, but experience Yeah, he calls it. his web show the Big, uh, Big Cat Rescue so Productions. So then he gets like a lot of experience, and it's like... It's like, so you have her website, and his is right underneath it. Same thing, experience. Same picture and everything. Yeah. The thing where he messed up is, is he didn't pull a Nathan for you. That's true. A parody He should have done it under parody law. That's true. Then he could have never gotten, uh, what is it? It's not copyright stricken. Is it copyright stricken? It, yeah, he'd be he would copy. He would fall under copyright law. Yeah, like he get so sued for he could have never time. got sued for it, which would have been. But obviously, he was thinking smart, but like not next level suing. Yeah, smart. and well, through this, what brings in this like very nefarious character, uh, was Jeff Lowe. That's his name, correct? Yeah, yes. I think so. Let's see. Um, yeah, Jeff Lowe. And he's this man, and he portrays himself like he's this rich millionaire out of Vegas and stuff. So he comes in, and basically they put the park under his name now. And basically he runs it now. And he starts wanting things to be changed. He brings in his friend Alex, who is in charge of everything. And also James Garretson becomes involved. And through this, uh, Joe Exotic kind of loses all his power. He doesn't have much say anymore. Things that start going over bad and Jeff Lowe is not rich and he can't afford it so he brings in investors and stuff and then he's under indictment and everything this gets worse when they bring him in yeah it only escalates to a downfall because they're both halfway scummy dudes with how they use their money I'd say yeah and when you have two of those competing it's just yeah that's why it's not good I don't think Joe Exotic is very smart, I guess, and like I'd agree. And so, basically, with him, you know, the whole thing is he's just there to kind of take care of the animals. He likes the animals and stuff. But Jeff Lowe's trying to make a profit and things, and everything just goes 
downhill extremely quickly and I'm not, I mean I'm not gonna spoil I guess most people have seen it but I mean there's no reason to really go into it yeah but he basically just... loses it all and stuff and it's just he gets brought up on charges because he uh, hired Alex to kill her but it's really unclear he runs for governor he runs for president I mean Joe Exotic does everything and right now he's asking for a presidential pardon from Donald Trump <laughs> because the series came out but um I mean, yeah. Also, the weird coincidence is I found like both Carol and Joe Exotic made music videos of themselves. Yeah, but Joe Exotic's is actually like halfway decent. Well, because it's not his. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's like halfway like has a rhythm to it. Yeah, just, hers is just borderline creepy. But I mean, and so one of the biggest controversies though, Seth, I wanted to bring up is through this is that, uh. In the middle of the night, uh, one of Joe Exotic's uh, crocodile enclosures burns down. And it's very unclear if he did it himself because if he did it himself, it'd be like he it might have been good for him because if it burns down, he gets insurance money, right? And the only thing gets- that made sense was he did it because what's his face? Um, Kirk, Kirk, or er, Rick Kirkham. Yeah, Rick Kirkham was filming that documentary, and he was also filming the Internet series, He right? wasn't filming a documentary. Oh, yeah, he was yeah. filming, uh, he was filming uh, his TV own show. reality TV show, and he was also filming his Internet thing. So he had complete control over all that, and he had all the power. And remember, they got to a dispute, and Kurt, he's like, hey, I own you, or I own, like, all your films, all your internet, all yeah. this. And that was the only thing at that point Joe Zach was actually making anything off of. Yeah. And he did not like that. So the only person logically that makes sense to burn that down would have been Joe Well, Zodic. he at first blamed, like, animal rights activists maybe, but then it didn't really make sense because they burnt down that. I mean, this this show, I honestly guess have to say, it's extremely entertaining. I mean, yeah. I think America, we're obsessed with reality TV, and I don't know if it gets better than this. I mean, it's the craziest thing you could think of. It's like these crazy polygamists own these gigantic cats and just play around with them. Yeah. On top of attempted murder and everything. Like, this is the most perfect setup, in my opinion. And- yeah, I'd definitely say the pros, why you should watch this, is for one, it's only 5 hours and 17 minutes. So... Realistically, you could watch that in a day if you wanted, or you could break it up into five days, six, no, seven episodes, right? Yeah, seven. seven. Episodes, yeah. So you could go break it up in seven days, or you could watch it all in one day. So like, it's a good length where you could have fun with it, and like Caleb said, it's extremely entertaining, which is always a plus to any documentary because how many documentaries are really entertaining? And then the other part is... I disagree. I love a good documentary. The other part is, it's very well done, which is nice to see. Like, the shots are, like, the actual shots for the documentary are well done. It's well put together. Then they have the other things, and then they bring in the conspiracy theories, and they get you really engaged into actually what is going on, what is happening. You want to watch the next episode. It's just all around... A great documentary. Now, this is my last like question about the show. I guess, do you think actually Carol killed her husband? Yes, 
I think she killed her husband. See, actually, I do not believe she killed her husband. How does the guy just disappear with not a trace? Because he went down to Costa Rica, right? Or he was probably got caught up. He first went to Miami, correct? And then he's going to fly Miami to Costa Rica. Okay, either way, her husband's dead. Yeah, but so either is, did the, she kill him? Okay, but this is the thing. If we had to break it down. With the planes leaving, remember the planes? They never recorded a plane that left. One of his that left. Well, they yeah, n- I don't think it, he made it on the plane. So then how did he die? Dude, this dude had dealings with everyone. Don't you remember he had this big plan? He probably just had a deal with like some drug lord or something, and he just got pissed and killed. I don't him. think he was. I don't think he was a drug lord though. Okay, but he was smuggling in tigers. So to think that he's not dealing with also a drug lord who smuggles things in is not I don't think crazy. You can just go from beyond... tiger smuggling to drug lord smuggling. No, like, that I, is I like. I disagree. I think that it's an import-export business. No, okay? no. Yes. Like just because you're smuggling one thing doesn't mean you're smuggling another thing. Okay. Granted, but how? Okay, do you think there's a he specific had person? his own private planes that he could smuggle? Yeah, but he had to get someone from. who had caught the tigers and had relations. If he's going to Costa Rica, let's just be real: Central America, South America, big. That's where we get our drugs, man. That's where they come from. All right, Caleb's just going way off you, on the rails. That's what here. I'm telling you: is Carol I, well, he, husband is dead. But I think he legitimately just died, like because of someone else. I don't know. I could see him getting killed by her. I could too. But like I'm they saying, said, tigers can literally dissolve bones in their stomach. Ah, see, I think it's more plausible that she he was actually in the and, septic tank. No, well, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna give a couple scenarios. You got the septic tank, and you have swamplands right next to her. You could easily chain a body and drop it. I believe Carol. And bones. I don't think bones float. I just don't think Carol's that smooth. I you also got to think, able to pull wasn't, that, wasn't that like 20 years ago? Or not 20, like 10 years ago? Yeah, no, that was like 20 yeah, years ago. Yeah, like 20 years ago. So she was definitely was younger. 90s. I don't think she's smart enough to pull off the perfect murder. Th- you know? Okay, it wouldn't even have to be perfect. She literally hits him over the head, drags him, and throws him in the septic tank because it was not closed off at that point. Actually, she says it was. Yeah, obviously she would say it was if she's trying to cover Listen, something up. All I'm saying is I don't believe she did it. I still think she's an evil person because she's using labor and stuff just as bad as these other people, except Joe Exotic uses redneck criminals. She uses volunteers, and Dr. Antel uses beautiful women. Yeah, Joe Exotic wasn't running the tightest ship in the book. No, nah, that's true. I'd definitely say he – I'm not going to say he had the least control – but just the environment was not good for the employees, from what I saw. Now, I have this one question now about the show, though. Why do you think this show blew up? I think a couple things. One, everyone's at home. Yeah. I think, one, it's very exciting. Or that'd be two. Like, anything, I mean, let's be real. Americans... I think mainly probably watch this. Yeah. I think Americans kind of get off on crazy. Okay, I would agree with you. My only thing is is that I think it has the best elevator pitch of, like, any show. Like, you know, let's just say someone asks you, hey, man, what, what have you been watching? I'm watching Tiger King. What is it about? Well, let me tell you. It's about this crazy gay polygamist who owns a farm who's going to kill people. 
supposedly it hired hired a murder with this crazy PETA activist. And, and people are like, okay, I got a lot of time on my hands because of the quarantine. I, I have to check this out. Like, I think there's a lot of things. Thing. I think also social media, big proponent oh, for it. Oh, for sure. Well, that's the thing is it kind of does this spiral effect, and you can't really predict that. Yeah, tons of good memes and everything come out about it. Oh, yeah. Start tweeting once, about it. Everyone wants to feel exactly. like they're part of it. So they can tweet or whatever about it. Yeah, well, at least you relate to it. I mean, I mean, relating is one of the biggest things. Like, I would honestly not be surprised if PewDiePie put out. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it's it's just I just think it's a gigantic. Show. I mean, I don't want to give it a rating because I feel like for one, rating documentaries is super hard. And then also, I feel like rating TV shows is pretty hard. Yeah, I but, mean, uh, would you recommend? I guess I it would definitely recommend. I mean, even IMDb users would recommend. I mean, they give it it's an average eight out of ten, which yeah. is, I think my I'd big, say pretty good in my book. I legitimately think though the biggest problem I have with this show though, is that it's legitimately like what did you say five hours and thirty five minutes or something like that. Five hours seventeen minutes. Five hours and seventeen minutes. Yeah, people still won't watch The Irishman. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think TV shows are easier. No, because people sit there and binge it. You can binge a show for five and a half hours, but you can't watch a three and a half hour movie. Caleb, people haven't taken film classes like us. No, no, I'm just saying, it's insane. I just, like, after watching it, even I sat there, I was like, dude, how am I ever going to sit here and complain about watching a three hour movie again? Like, I don't don't know how. I mean, but we didn't really binge it. No, but we still, okay, we definitely still watched good chunks. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. After doing this, it was a check to myself. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I'd recommend for sure. Um, the also, also the other big movie, I guess, or thing that people have been watching, uh, just dropped on Hulu, I think, uh, what was it, about two weeks ago? Yeah, not, not too long not ago. Not too long ago. It was, uh, at Sundance in 2019, I believe. It's, uh, Pete Davidson's first, I guess, breakout role. I guess uh, he, like, filmed it, like, three years ago. Or two years ago. Yeah, Big Time Adolescence is uh, the name of it. And um, it's directed by the same guy who this directed his newest comedy special. And uh, I believe he had a lot of say in this. It, the director is Jason Orley. Um, and he's the writer, too. Yeah, so it basically follows this kid, Monroe, played by uh, Griffin Gluck. And basically... It's your classic coming-of-age teen movie, but it's more modern. It's very modern. Like, I feel like a lot of coming-of-age movies... Well, I think it's just a big genre in the 80s. Yeah. And then, I mean, you got Edge of 17, which is supposed to be more modern, but for me, this feels... Oh, yeah, I feel Bird. like this would be more likely for most... Not most people, but more no. likely for somebody than... Okay, this, this, this felt fairly real, but obviously over dramatic in a lot of parts oh yeah this is probably like two extremes one kid every state (laughs) so basically it follows this kid monroe and his older sister is dating this guy pete davison's character uh zeke and basically uh monroe gets he's basically the third wheel all the time and zeke actually doesn't treat him like a little kid he actually treats him like with respect and stuff but monroe's older sister breaks up with him well, then Zeke's kind of like, okay, we're not going to hang out. But Monroe's like, why aren't we going to hang out anymore? We like to hang out. And Zeke's like, okay, sure. So they keep hanging out, and 
I believe Monroe enters high school, if I'm not mistaken. He's either a freshman or a sophomore. I'm not 100% sure. No, he no, has his license. So he'd have to be... He's a junior, I think. Yeah, junior or sophomore at the least. Yeah. But his movie he's not a freshman because there's a scene that alludes to the girl he likes was a freshman when his sister was a senior. Yeah. So his movie kind of is... That's where it kind of picks up. And obviously, Zeke, he's not a great influence. Like... He takes care of Monroe, but he lets him just get plastered. He gives him drugs. And basically, the movie starts picking up with uh, I mean, Monroe gets into the senior party. And the only reason he got brought in is because he could bring booze. Yeah. And Zeke obviously buys it for him. But then he's like, dude, why don't you bring weed? You want to be cool? Bring weed. Well, not even be cool. You want to make us money. Like, well, he's no, like, no, it starts off, he just wants to be, like, a friend, but it gets super profitable, obviously. Yeah. He's selling I, it for exorbitant I mean, amount of everyone prices. Everyone wants it. Because they're dumb 17-year-olds. So, he becomes, basically, the supplier for all these parties. He meets a girl. Um, and, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, I don't want to say run-of-the-mill, because it's a little bit different, but um, a few things that really stood out to me is, uh, I don't think Pete Davidson is necessarily a great actor. Now, this is obviously his first, like, major role. I don't think he did bad. It's just not, like, Oscar-worthy by any means. But I, Pete Davidson is just a really funny guy. Yeah. I, de- I was just going to say, I definitely enjoyed his role in this movie. Like, granted, this is probably the perfect role for him, but well, that's what, I really did enjoy it. That's what I was going to say is I feel like Pete Davidson actually had a lot of say in his character and how things played out. So, the whole movie, I mean, it never really shows him, Zeke, as a bad guy, I guess. I mean, it shows... I some, disagree. It shows some pitfalls. Sure. But he's always a very likable character, and I think he got a lot of say in his dialogue. Sure. He probably ad-libbed some of it. And Pete Davidson is a funny guy, so I think he does really well. And he's actually really funny at scenes. This movie is pretty funny. And yeah. I was actually surprised at how much I liked this movie. Because I thought it was not going to be good. Because especially like Pete Davidson's first role. I mean it just seemed like one of those movies. That could ease. And plus it went straight to a streaming service. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. But just had like all the makings of this being kind of like a cheesy coming of age. And like I said. This is not like a groundbreaking coming of age. But I mean it is pretty modern. It has a great soundtrack. Like I really enjoyed the soundtrack. Did have a really nice Um, soundtrack. Whoever did the music. They were... Yeah, whoever picked the music, spar, all the songs for this. Or par. Yeah, and um, I I mean, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. it was super funny. I would, I would disagree with you that they paint, paint Zeke in a good mood. I mean, from the beginning, you know Zeke's kind of, let's just say, white trash. He really is. No, no, I, no. He's completely white trash. Well, yeah, for sure. And you definitely, like... You're not there rooting for him, I'd say. I'd say, like, you you don't really care. Like, you're like, all right, he, he's an okay guy. I mean, kind of cool. I can see how this kid would kind of want to hang out with him because he, you know, drinks, showed him how to drink, showed him everything, basically. And you're just like, okay, I can see how he's a little bit of a likable character. But as soon as uh, Monroe, Monroe, what is his name? Monroe the Kid. Yeah, but what did he call him in the movie? Mo. Mo. Yes. As soon as Mo starts getting, obviously, it all starts coming back on Mo. You kind of just hate Pete Davidson, in my opinion. Um, no, I, 
I don't know because Pete Davidson never forces him to do anything. Everything he does is. But Pete Davidson is even no out for himself. No, no, no. hundred percent. No, I hundred percent disagree with you because if you look at the movie and how, without spoiling too much, uh, Pete Davidson's ready to take any fall or anything. Okay, towards that, the end. And then the also, end. this is also my point about Pete Davidson that I feel like he had a lot of say in his writing and he didn't want to be come across as a real bad dude. Is not spoiling anything, but you, the scene with um, with Pete Davidson's girlfriend. You know what I'm gonna say. You know what I'm talking about with Mo. Pete Davidson, like, or Zeke, does handles it like a champ. Okay. Like, that could have been an easy conflict moment, which I would have been a little cheesy because I could have seen that coming. But they kind of subvert your expectations with the way he handles things. But, bro, that is literally where you start to like Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson starts to realize, hey, I haven't been really looking out for you. This is where I'm going to start. And he's like, that's fine, man. I'll forgive you. Like I don't care. A hundred percent, and I will. I will give you proof. Pete Davidson literally never looks out for the kid. Like I disagree. Let, let's be real. Let's be. He real. treats him just like he would treat all of his other friends. Yeah, sure. He's not to his an dad. extent, yeah, he's not his dad. To he's just treating him like a friend. To an extent, but he only cares about himself. Literally, doesn't care about any of most problems. All Zeke cares about is literally himself. When he's giving him dating advice, advice, Mo dating advice, he's like, that was all me. You didn't do any of that. Like, that was all me. And he's like, nah, it was kind of me, man. And he's like, no, no. I literally did everything. If I wasn't here, you'd be trash. I mean, he's ripped. And, like, he, he does mess with Mo a little bit, like you're saying. But And he is a little selfish. I'm not saying he's not selfish. But I'm saying he's like, at least for me, which I thought was pretty clear, is that he never... It never gets to the point where I'm sitting there and I'm really, like, hating him as a character. He literally sat there and said, I don't care if Mo gets busted because they'll just do what 16-year-olds do, you know, won't re- nothing will really... But he's just really- being real. No, no, no. Listen, nothing will really happen. But he's like, if I get busted, dude, I'm going down. He's not even thinking about, really, the kid. He doesn't really care. The point where he has a changing moment... And you start to like Pete Davidson because he actually cares about more people than himself. Is the point where he goes to visit uh, Mo's sister, and Mo's sister does an eye opening. Because then after that, he's the cop scene comes, and then he saves the kid, and then obviously he's willing to take the fall for the kid See, Mo. And that's when he actually becomes and stops thinking about himself, and actually starts thinking about Mo instead of himself. Before that, I'd say he's a crappy friend. Has a has an okay relationship with the kid, but truly doesn't even care about the kid. See, no, nah, see this. I, I mean, we, I guess we can agree to disagree. But I, I disagree because there is some growth at that house. I where he goes and goes to pick up Mo. Not growth. That's where it's like it's the growth of a character. He but sees himself and he's even, like, "That's not even real." Wow, growth. I messed up. No, no. See, see, I think that's not even. He's just looking out for his boy at that point. I think the real growth happens at the end. That last scene, I think, is more shows that he's maturing up than anything. But the whole thing is sure. I'd say he's more maturing, but I'd say the turning point was at the house. I mean, he is selfish, obviously, but I disagree with you because he's being real. Like, if Mo gets caught for selling drugs, like it's not that bad. Like, he might get expelled. He might get like community service stuff like that. But if he gets caught and he's like twenty eight or thirty, 
Like that's some actual hard time for selling drugs, and like so he's being he's kind of just being for real. Sure, he's saying, being real, but he's he, being selfish. But in the end, he, he doesn't literally care, doesn't. He but, does not care but if he say, gets caught. Yeah, yeah. But to say that he does not care about Mo at all, I think I'm not is, saying he doesn't care at all. I he's think like he's, a big, he's like big. a friend, but he's not. Yeah, he's not, he's not a good friend, like at all. Uh, see, I don't know, man. I guess we just d- agree to disagree. I'm not saying they don't have like, hey, they hang out a lot. Or I'll give you another example. When that buddy blast from the past comes in to smoke that uh, blunt, I don't yeah. even know what it was. What was yeah, it? Was it wasn't. It wasn't. I, think it was I didn't. I don't think it was just a blunt. And they do a hot box, right? Yeah, they hot box. The and car, he's right? like, dude, I can't. My gram, my grandparents are coming over tonight. I can't walk in high. He's like, and he doesn't smoke either. So like, See, Mo th- would be like just trashed, and he's like, oh well, I I guess like, that's not looking out for your friend at all. See. See, I think I think you're looking at Pete Davidson as supposed to be more than just a friend. He's supposed to be like a guiding hand, not a guiding hand, a friend. See, that's not a friend. I I, I disagree. Here's here's the thing. You've never been in that situation. A, with friend, a friend. You've never I'm not that saying situation. that a friend wouldn't put you in a bad situation. It's not even like that bad but, of a situation, though. Okay, that's my point. But it's a bad situation because he's, his grandparents are coming later. That's yeah, why it's yeah. a bad situation. It's not like a bad, bad situation. What I'm saying, what makes it a bad situation is that his grandparents are coming. And he told him. And a good friend would look out for you and be like, all right, man, we can't do it today. But, hey, tomorrow. And obviously it's one of those moments. Yeah, things. but you're talking about like perfect scenario. Like We've all had friends and we've all done stuff like that. They're giving into peer pressure and stuff. Like, so... To sit there and act like, but Mo wasn't giving into peer pressure. It was Zeke that was giving. Yeah, because Mo pressure. Mo could have made a big deal. Mo was just trying to. Mo talk, was making a big deal. Not not to Zeke. He's only making it to Zeke. He could said, "Get out of the car." Like we're not doing this. He could have done. Sure. It. He gave into peer pressure, which I'm not saying is right or wrong. What I'm saying is, well, actually, is wrong. But what I'm saying is, is that I think you're just looking at it like Zeke's supposed to be someone who's more looking out for him, and I think in reality, friends Zeke, should look out for you. Yes, that's the difference. Yes, but he not he never puts. I don't know. He doesn't put extraneous strain on Mo doing any drugs or anything like that. Sure, I'd agree with that. But the thing is, in a scenario like that, that's where you see if you have a good friend or not. See, this, this is. I guess and I'm not saying like he's like, oh, you shouldn't do weed, whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that exact scenario held way wrong. What I'm saying is Zeke's moral compass is different than most people he is a loser he's a, a druggy kind of thing right like sure that's mo i mean that's zeke so you, what you're expecting out of zeke is someone who's not a loser not what i'm saying not is, true is at all his moral compass is just different than maybe mine and yours sure but hey he still should have a moral compass for his friend yeah like but he never that. really puts him in danger or anything no, but he basically F's up everything. No, 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 no. He, he, Mo is just, I just think this is the biggest thing. We're, we're discussing this. Listen, I'm not even long. saying, like, the tattoo thing no. is a bad thing at all. Like, th- that I don't even care about. I'm just saying, in a scenario like the car scene, I'd say that'd be a bad friend. Yeah, I, I agree. A bad friend. Not, like, not even a question. And that's that. All I'm saying is, I do not think Zeke is a good friend till he realizes that people 
in his life have more value than he always thought. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. And he gets that realization when he meets up with Mo's sister in the last scene. See, I agree with you that he becomes a better friend, but I'm saying Zeke's standards of friends, he's just treating him like anyone else. Yeah, he might not be like a great model of a friend, but he's treating Mo like well. For his standards, especially. That's all I'm trying to say. Is like it's not crazy all what right. he does. Well, besides that, I mean that was pretty long. I'm just gonna say this movie was actually really funny. Yeah. At least for me. Should like be. I think it was pretty funny too. I caught on to a lot of the jokes or at least thought they were really funny. Like there is for sure one of the funniest jokes in this movie where his friend pulls him aside and he's like <laughs> He's like, man, listen, I'm the last one to judge you. You know, right, Mo? And he's like, yeah. He's like, what are you doing with that girl in there? She must be like 16, man. What are you doing with her? Dude, you know that's like a federal offense. And Mo Mo turns to him. He's like, bro, I'm 16. And then the guy like sits down because the guy's high and drunk. And he's like, my whole life's changed. I thought Mo was like 30 like me but turns out he's just 16 and like that scene was just so funny and a lot of it i'm not gonna say it's relatable but you know where a lot of the jokes come from because i was not selling drugs in high school so it's not very relatable but yeah yeah, i I get the humor and the actions weren't relatable but like the feeling of like looking up to someone and maybe like giving the peer pressure or having a friend who's kind of a deadbeat, but you're still friends with him because you enjoy it. Like, you, I, most people have these same emotions, like, and yeah. went through these same the same things. And I did really like Moe's acting. I'm not going to say it was the best acting ever. Yeah, I mean, I think everything was solid. I mean, what would you give it at the end of the day? Uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, me too, exactly. I gave it 7 out of 10 also. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd definitely suggest watching this. Good movie. It's on Hulu, so I'm sure you have it, and it's free. Oh, not free, but... Yeah, definitely check it out. I mean, you have nothing better to do with your life, man. It's a under two hours. Go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, so I guess at the end, we'll just hit on... We'll probably be coming out with our next podcast. will be the next episode of the Corona. Yep. But... I would suggest you guys, if you're on Letterboxd, you can check us out. We're obviously Royale with Cheese podcast or RWCP. Yeah, and also my personal is just uh, Caleb Culp. Yeah, we also have our Gmail, RoyaleCheesePodcast.com. Email us anything. And Instagram, Royale with Cheese Podcast. Give us a follow, give us your likes, and ask us any questions because we'll tell you the answer. And you know it's right coming from us. Exactly. Uh, Guys, it's been real. It's been real fun. Peace out. Bye. Tell all the hunters to lay down their guns. Tell them that the tiger needs a little bit of let them run the jungle, let them roam their land, then stand back and marvel.